Welcome back to another episode of Designing Hollywood. I am your host today, Alex Getlin, and we have a very special guest joining us. His career has spanned over 42 years as a costume designer. He is one of the most beloved, skilled, and innovative innovative designers working today with a career that encompasses contemporary fantasy and period costumes everyone please welcome eduardo castro to the podcast it's great to be here great to have you Uh, thank you so um i always love interviewing creatives and artists i'm a creative myself and i love to just pick brains and understand how you got here so let's go back to the beginning how did you become a costume designer you know it's interesting when i was a kid in the 50s there used to be a television program uh, an afternoon television program called Art Link Letters House Party. It was kind of, uh, you know, an afternoon talk show. And every so often on that talk show, you'd have Edith Head. And then Edith Head would come out and she would say, oh, you know, I just finished this movie, a girl named Tamiko. And then she'd bring out her fashions and her sketches and all that. And I go, wow. And I think that's one of the first times I knew about the business, you know, knew about the business. And I must have been maybe 10 or 12 years old. And back then I started collecting little index cards and doing little figures by myself, right? So that was just a little hobby. Mm -hmm. Um, Then you do high school and, you know, and then you, uh, I, I, I wasn't sure what to do after high school. There's no counseling for what we do. Right. You know, there's like, of course. you have to sort of find your way organically. And so I was at LA City College. Okay. And, you know, the first year, it's like you're taking all these classes that are prerequisites. You know, oh, you right, have to take this, right. you have to take that. The second year, I started branching out and taking classes that interested me. So there okay. were art classes and there was a theater class. But what happened during that time, my father was a surgeon. And he was working uh, downtown by the Paps Brewery. He had an office there. And his uh, medical group took care of the music center. And so they took care of anybody who was sick. And if any actor was sick at the music center, they would go to him. And then one day my father comes home and says, you know, uh, my nurse says uh, her daughter uh, got a job at the music center. And I think you should apply. And it was being an usher. Okay. I had never seen a play, a musical, a ballet, an opera. I had never seen it. And so this job was a blessing because I started, I remember, December 1st, 1970. And um, the first thing I saw was a production of uh, uh, an opera by the New York City Opera. And my eyes just popped. I said, oh, my God, I've never seen anything like this. And I was stationed in the balcony, in the economy section, right? And as I moved forward in that job, plus going to school, I would see um, at the same time, there was a play by Mark Crowley, who was famous for the boys in the band. He had done Mm. a play that wasn't very, very good called Remote Asylum. And that was playing at the Amundsen. And I, there was something about it. I, uh, I I couldn't tell if it was a good play because I had okay. no experience. Oh, okay, right. I see. I had no experience whatsoever, and I remember sitting in the lobby one day, and out of the theater comes Gregory Peck, mm. and I was doing my homework. I was reading a book, yeah. and he comes up to me, 
And he says, that is the biggest piece of crap I've ever seen on stage. <laughs> and I sort of said, what? And I said to myself, you're Gregory Peck right. and you're talking to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I was like starstruck because he was talking to me like a normal person and I wasn't used to that. You know, it's like, this is Gregory Peck. You're a, you're a big star. You're sure. an Oscar winner. And you're talking. And what was great about it was he, he said, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm reading this book, The Brothers Karamazov for. He said, well, that's a good book. Keep it up. Keep it up. And what was interesting about that whole situation, we talked for about 10 minutes, was every time he would come to the, he would come to the music center, he always winked at me. He always winked at me. But that was the beginning of my relationship with uh, celebrities, I suppose, and watching all of this stuff happen. And as I moved into the theater department at L.A. City College, I became more interested in the theater and actors and designing. And, and when I was impressed at the, the Music Center, at the Mark Taper or at the Amundsen, I always would look at the bios of the, of the designers, the set designers. And, and at that time in the 70s, it was like I, I wasn't sure where to go from L.A. City College. I right. knew I had to, had to make a jump. I knew I had to go somewhere. Totally. to, And um, I would spend my times in the counseling office looking over catalogs of books and said, who, who, where can I go that, that, that uh, uh, I can learn set design and mm. stage design? Okay. And there were very few schools back then, very, very few. I think uh, Brandeis was one, Boston University, and then Carnegie Mellon was the other one. Um, and... Uh, interesting thing about the bios that I would look at, I would say 80% of the bios, uh, all the people, all the designers were coming coming out of Carnegie Tech, Carnegie Mellon. And I I said, I don't know. I thought, what is it? This famous school in New York? I have no idea. I found out it was in Pittsburgh. Okay. And uh, so I applied and uh, I got in and uh, it was it was wonderful because at LA City College, I got a terrific education. Uh, if anyone is unsure, I always think, you know, community college is fantastic. Sure. I was, yeah. I actually got some really, really good uh, art classes in and theater classes, and it prepared me for uh, Carnegie. Carnegie was different when, when I went to Carnegie. It was, you know, very, very um, elite elite but uh we worked uh it was it was um i was there for three years and then i uh i wanted to go to yale uh for graduate school but carnegie mellon offered me to do it in one year because i was an undergraduate so i went to uh i went it was the classic situation i learned uh history Mm -hmm. cutting uh, swatching. I learned all of the things that you need to learn in that classic structure, right. which really a lot of designers don't don't um, have that. One of the most famous designers and one of the most wonderful people that I mentored with, who I just spoke to uh, in Rome two days ago, is Milena Cannonero, who has four Academy Awards, you know, and she's she her first academy award i think was for barry linden and then she won one for chariots of fire then she won one for 
Marie Antoinette, then Grand Budapest Hotel. Her resume yeah, is well. unbelievable out of Africa. Dick Tracy. Sure. You know, it, it goes on and on. And it seemed like every event mm -hmm. that every movie that she did was like an event. Right. Midnight right. Express. They're all kind of like these epic events. films. But yeah. yeah. And um I became very close for her and I'll talk to you later about her. Sure. But but what what one thing she said to me, she said, Eduardo, I never had the education you had. You know, she started out with Stanley Kubrick. Uh, Stanley Kubrick picked her out for some reason and, and uh they had uh they, 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 there there was something there that he nurtured. And I remember she said he gave her a camera. Go Go scout location. I think she was 18 years old or something. And so she did that. And I think there was a hunger there. Mm -hmm. And along with the hunger, I think that Stanley Kubrick appreciated the passion. So I think it's one of those things when uh, you meet directors, you meet producers, they'll either get you or they don't. And right. they see the path. And so... You know, she her first movie was uh, Clockwork Orange. I think. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, right. That's sure. an <laughs> first, first first job. job. Wow, first job. Yeah. Right. So, um, what a home run! I know. But anyway, getting back to what happened to me was okay. So I graduate from uh, Carnegie Mellon. I do a big giant thesis, which it's interesting because uh, nowadays. I've been mentoring the students from Carnegie Mellon. It, 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 um, it's not as rigorous as when I was there. It, it's a it's a lot. Uh, softer, let's mm. say. But uh, I, I came out and I was um, classically trained. I see. Then I moved to Western Costume Company. Okay. And uh, where I was making $2.35 an yeah. hour, right? Oof. And uh, it took me, I forget, I forget how many hours to get $100, but it was something like uh, wow. 50 hours or something. Anyway, yeah. so I, I, I was... Too long. Uh, I, I um, It was a Great experience back then. Um, I come out, I have a master's degree, and uh, I'm, I'm taken over to the head of uh, the stock area where uh, once you're at Western, the first uh, few months, you're, you're, you're um, sort of like relegated to putting stuff away. So you're supposed to know it had six floors and where does everything go? And, and you learn about periods. You learn about, uh, uh, you know, spacesuits, pirates, right. uh, uh, all kinds of things. Where is this? Where is that? Where you, you learn about period concierges, hotels and the little cross. You, you, mm. you learn all these tremendous yeah, details, right? So my first job, uh, and I was quite happy because uh, I had been fried from doing a very intense uh, thesis. You know, it, sure. it was um, very big. And uh, so I was fine with like, just tell me what to do for a minute, you know. And so I, it was July of 1977. And my first job was uh, I, I'm taken out in the back of Western Costume Company. And there was a cement courtyard and there was a 240 foot trucks okay. back there. And my job was to unload those two trucks. Wow. Yeah. Wash it down. Wash the costumes down. Uh, it was a mess. It was Apocalypse Now. Oh, my God. Right. <laughs> it was Apocalypse Now. It's like having so, you like, pledge your yeah, rights so, into Exactly. Yeah. So there I am, scrubbing boots, hosing down uniforms that had come from the Philippines. The Lord knows what was on them. It was right. just. Wow. Uh, and, and the thing was, I didn't mind doing that sure. I, I i i realized this is where i i gotta start somewhere sure. so my next job was like 
putting the armor in in order and that was horrible you know like uh, they gave me all the most horrible jobs yeah but i think they did it on purpose and i think they did did it to teach me a lesson because you know i was the only one there with a master's degree right and um so i did what i was told and then uh little by little uh i would um take lunch sure and i would have a sketchbook and then i would draw and certain people began to notice and uh oh this guy can draw yeah he can draw and uh um you know people started mentoring me people started uh giving me the chance to move forward and so once after you spend your time your your condemned time of uh uh, putting all that shit right. away and all that, all the low stuff, you know, you get moved up into an office and then you get assigned, you know, oh, you know, uh, Patrick, what's his name is going to come in. Uh, what was his name? He was an actor on Dallas. Um, Duffy? Patrick Duffy. There you go. Uh, uh, he's coming in and he needs some pieces for the man from Atlanta. So you help him. So I helped him out. And it was like, you know, and then the next job and then, and, and then you would get more and more. And as I uh, moved, there were these big designers, huge, like Anne Roth, who is still around. She's, what, 88 today or these days? And yeah. she's got like a couple shows on Broadway. She's got Ma Rainey's Black Bottom coming out. She hasn't stopped. She does two or three films a year. It's like she hasn't stopped. Anyway, she sort of grabbed hold of me and said, oh, I want Eddie to pull my shows. So I would pull shows for her. And then, you know, I, I helped her on uh, a show with uh, Michael Caine called The Island. And okay. we dressed him for the Oscars. And I I learned so much from her. Yeah, She was one of those people that was so incredibly successful. And the reason she's successful is she has an amazing amount of confidence when she walks into a fitting she uh she's very confident she very very she sells it uh the actors like it the producers like it that she's been around so she knows sure she knows how to play the game right at the same time i also met another designer her name is theodora van runkel and theodora van runkel also had an amazing career her first movie was one of the best debuts of all time. It was Bonnie and Clyde. Oh my gosh. Right. Wow. <laughs> so yeah. she started on Bonnie and Clyde. Then she was exclusive with the uh, Faye Dunway for a while. And then she did one of the Godfathers and she was with Coppola for nice. a while. Yeah. And she was completely different. She was more artistic. Mm. She was more lyrical. She was my Auntie Mame. She would, uh, we met, and again, she was one of those people, oh, I want Eddie to pull this for my shows right, and this right. and that. So, and then well, I remember one afternoon and she said, Eduardo, come, let me counsel you. Let me take you up to my office. And she would sit at her office and she'd be painting. She had a lot of things that she was painting. And she was also one of the best illustrators in the business. She yep. was, her, her, her drawings are amazing. And she taught me a lot about life. And uh, a lot about, like Auntie Mame, yeah. she would sit me upstairs and she would review and she said, you know, you need to read this. This is a good book for you to read or this is a great art book to look at. She would lend, lend me sure. art books. And, and, and at three o'clock says, now, Eduardo, or actually it was Eddie back then because everybody called me Eddie back then. We must now take a break and you must learn to sit perno at 
three o'clock in the afternoon. I didn't know what it was, you <laughs> yeah, know. Right. And, 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 and so I'm drinking Perno with her. Very fancy. And, and, uh, and uh, uh, the point is, you have Anne, who is very no-nonsense, very, very direct, totally. very, very successful in a way. And then you have Theodora, who is very ethereal. She thought she was Isadora Duncan reincarnated. Right. I mean, she was uh, sure. she was always dressed exquisitely and, uh, uh, you know, uh, Anne, extravagant. Anne, extravagant. And Anne was the pencil skirt, the white shirt, the pearls, totally. and the glasses. All and, business. And, all business. And, and what I... What I learned is you can't be taught. Mm, you can't interesting. be taught. And also, yep. and I've, I've had this conversation with Marilyn, and also I work with designers that really, um, I knew more than they did. I, mm. I got a call one day when I was, uh, right after I'd left Western from a, a designer named Patricia Edwards. And she was Blake Edwards' ex-wife. Okay. Yeah. And, um, uh, Blake had given her a chance on a movie called 10. He said, you know, I'm going to give you 10. And, yeah. and and so she has a lot of style. She has a good eye. Um, but she was preparing a film that was period 1890s. And she really didn't know. She called me up and she said, can you help me? I said, sure. And what was great about her was she allowed me to help her. And the, the project was... Uh, big piece of crap what was it tarzan the ape man with bo derrick wow. and uh but it was period so we had okay. to do all that and and then there were designers that um uh were either uh not very nice and not mm -hmm. very nice not very good with actors and i would sit in their fitting and you learn from that too you learn you learn totally. an awful lot like oh gosh you know i mean what not to do what not to do really yeah. uh i had a designer and uh, there was an actress and it was a a, a rather important film for the actress because she won this role over julia roberts and um i remember the designer uh, uh, the actress was late she had a lot of um appointments and uh there was a lot going on with her and the designer just yelled at her and said here put these on and she broke down the actress broke down while the wow, while the while the designer went to the bathroom and i i sat down and talked to her and, yeah. uh, and the actress was bridget fonda and and oh, i wow. talked to her and i said you know let's just go at a, a pace where let's just try on only what you need to try and i decided to have a conversation with her she was she was uh, in need. Sure. She was in yeah. need. And, you know, actors, uh, before we talked about this, was yeah. actors are such an important part of, course. of what we do. Yeah. And what I learned throughout the years, uh, uh, stepping up through uh, the years, I remember uh, one actor was uh, I was working with, Charles Bronson. Oh, well. On a movie, it was called Cabo Blanco, who was working with uh, one of the most famous designers of all time. His name is Bill Trevia. Okay. And Bill Trevia was famous for Marilyn Monroe. Mm. He did the white dress. Yeah. He did yeah. some, wow. he didn't do some like it hot, but he did a lot of Marilyn Monroe's clothes. Sure. He won an Oscar when he was like in his 20s. Um, he'd done a lot of, uh, he did Valley of the Dolls. Um, uh, and I was so upset when we were in the fitting and Mr. Bronson was misbehaving and threw these jeans yeah. in his face. 
uh, in the designer space. And it's like, how, what do you do? How right. do you do that? And uh, Bill Trevia just took it as a gentleman and, uh, you know, he didn't do anything, but, sure. but you have to be aware of, of, um, a lot of situations with actors. Some are, it's interesting. I have found that the, the bigger, the star, the easier they are sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, totally. Um, yeah. Um, I had that with Sean Connery, with John Travolta, with Mel Gibson. I, they were all very, they were easy. They were, they, they're fine. The, yeah. the hard one is the person that's number six on the call sheet that wants to be number one. They want one. to be number one, right. So, they're overcompensating. Uh, but, but you yeah. know, that's part of, that's one thing that you learn. That's yeah. one thing that you learn, you know? And so, um, Western was a, a tremendous uh, place where um, I learned a lot. But one of the things that when I, right now I've been mentoring a lot of students and a lot of um, people wanting to come into the industry. Right. So I always have a question for them. I said, uh, two questions. I said, what is, what is your dream? Sure. Do you have a dream? And who are your heroes? Mm, and it's it's yeah. fascinating, but uh, so few, uh, so few have very many heroes, and um, they'll say they'll say the same people. Usually, it's Colleen Atwood or Sandy Powell. And I, I, you know, they're fantastic. They're amazing. They're at the top sure. of their game. They're they're wonderful. But so many of them don't have that. And uh, when I was coming out of school and going into Western, there were three designers I admired. Uh, one was Anne Roth, who we spoke about. One was Theodora, which I spoke about. And the other one was Milena Cananero. Mm -hmm. And when I was at Western, I thought, oh, my dream would be just to say hello, to meet them, to shake their hand. Sure. Would be would be a dream come true. Mm -hmm. And especially for, for me, who admired these people's work. I mean, these were giants in the industry. And... What happened was not only did I get to meet them, I worked with each and every one of them. Wow. And yeah. um, so they were all instrumental, all very generous. And uh, I, I say this to, to kids coming out. Don't be afraid to approach someone you really admire, but, it, but really admire. Right. And um, Milena was, was one to this day. Uh, she still... Uh, has more confidence in me than I do. <laughs> but um, uh, it's important as you go up the ladder. I was blessed in that, like Marilyn said, I met a lot of key people, a lot of very, very uh, important people. Wayne Finkelman was another one. Dorothy Jenkins, Dorothy Jenkins, who uh, did the Ten Commandments and uh, all these movies in the 50s, and also the first woman to win an Oscar for uh, costume design. And um, Julie Weiss, a lot of people. So a lot of people knew me as I was growing up and as I was going on. So they all, oh, Eddie, you know, Eddie, you know, uh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so the, the thing about our business and the thing about, I think, what's important about our business, and I think Marilyn and anybody else will tell you, it's really who you know. Absolutely. And Absolutely. you could be the most talented. And it's true with actors. It's true yep. with directors. It's true with everybody across the board. All of a sudden, if you have, if you hit that lucky spot where somebody rec saw you before, recommended you or knew something, boom. Yeah. You know, um, and uh, it, that's nothing you can teach. Right. It's but character. It's character. And also, 
I think uh, people wanting to work with you. There was that. a wonderful uh, designer named Patricia Norris okay. who was phenomenal. She did Days of Heaven. Uh, she did a lot of Westerns. And then she was a collaborator with David Lynch. Okay. And she did production and set design. And one day she was at Western. And this was when I was very, this is much, I was like 30 years ago. And she'd say, oh, how can I get a cute guy like you to work with me? I said, just ask. <laughs> but but I think I think what it is is people want to be around people that are positive or people want to be around people that you can be inspired Absolutely. by a student. And uh, in fact, I, I was very inspired by a student quite a, a, a little while ago. I did two Zoom meetings uh, with two colleges. And one was Carnegie Mellon, my alma mater. Sure. And I did a 60-minute Zoom meeting. And I asked the question, what are your dreams for your... Sure. And it was interesting because here are students going to spending like $200,000 on an education. It yeah. was like huge. And there's there seemed to be very little ambition or direction or passion. Yeah. And I'll get to the point of the story. So sure. four weeks later, I do the same thing with uh, L.A. City College. At LA City College, you're paying $150 for a class. It's much different. Much. Yeah, of course. But what I found very interesting. So I went there in person and I I, I, I held it. And our 90-minute class turned into three hours. Oh, wow. And they knew everybody. Those kids knew who was designing Handmaiden's Tale, who was doing Game of Thrones. They had heroes. Sure. A and they had dreams. Yeah. And I just said, wow, what is it about this school? And what? And I, I, I think it was about people that really, number one, couldn't afford it. Sure. But had a passion. Right. So what's interesting is I left this, I left the, the meeting, right? And as I was leaving, uh, the, I was going into the parking lot, uh, this Latino boy uh, came up and said to me, Mr. Castro. I said, yes, I was in that, in that meeting you were with. I said, I have to thank you because before you came, I didn't think my dreams could come true. You know, because what That's it amazing. is, because there's no clear path Absolutely. to how to do what we do. There's no right. clear path. He was working at, um, Nordstrom's and the makeup counter yeah. trying to do something creative sure. and trying to connect. Yeah. And so uh, he called me, you know, he, he talked to me and said, thank you. Thank you very, very much. Now cut to two months later and I'm on the board of the television Academy and there's an internship. Okay. So we look at the portfolios from uh, a lot of kids and from, Yale, from Carnegie Mellon, from Emerson, sure, from UCLA, schools, yeah. everybody. Right. Because it's a, it's a paid internship okay. and it's a six-week internship yep. and they get to learn the business. And sure. uh, so we look at the portfolios and uh, four finalists, each finalist mm -hmm. came from the same school, LA City College. Wow. The lowest, 
They had the best prepared portfolio. They had the drive. They had the drive. Yep. And also, yeah, and it was like, I, I just found it fascinating. But the whole point of this story is the person that won the internship was the, that boy that talked to me. I love it. That, that is that, so that, fun. That said, yeah. now my dream, and he's working in the industry, and he's now worked with Lou Eirich, and he's worked all with all these people. It's amazing. He's still a production assistant, but... It, he's moving. He's, on his in, way. he's moving in a direction, and uh, that's the thing about uh, about what we do. Yeah. You know, when I was when I was at Western and I was making that two dollars and thirty five cents an hour, and I, I I still had to get my that design itch out. Sure. And so I would uh, do uh, design work for all these ninety nine seat theaters. One of them was in. Uh, North Hollywood Group Repertory Theater. And I did a lot of work. And I didn't get paid. Right. You know, but I, there's something about, as an actor, you know, the community. Of course. It's the community. Yeah. It's, it's, it doesn't matter if you get paid $90 or $900 or $9,000. You're, 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 you're doing something. Yes. You're doing something. Yes. And, um, it was wonderful. It was wonderful to do that. And, the the point is, I get all these calls from students from all across. You know, oh, I want to work in the film and TV industry, and I, I want to do. Sure. You know, and I go, well, you know, you got to start out, and it's basically doing returns. Yep. You know, it's mm -hmm. like this and that. Do you really want to do that? And I'll suggest you really, you know, you're in between your like senior year, your junior year. Why don't you do summer stuff? Oh no, I don't want to do summer stuff. And I did summer stuff, and that was like the yeah. best thing in the world. Of course. You know, but. I, I don't know. I find that uh, it, it's different these days. And every once in a while, you will get a student. Oh, this is an interesting story. Sure. Remember, uh, I was talking about the Carnegie Mellon yep. kids. That mm -hmm. they were all graduate students. Okay. And the the undergraduates weren't allowed to talk to me. I said, Oh, that's you know, whatever. Okay. So a week after I talked, I get a call from an undergraduate. Her name is Carolyn Mizuka. Okay. She's wonderful. And I said, Oh gosh, I don't want to, you know. You, you you kind of get it in your soul. Oh, do I need to talk to one more person? And they're right. just not, you know. And I said, I'll have coffee with you. So I had coffee with her. And she was so different than the other students. She really, uh, she showed me, said, this is what I want to do. And this is, I said, that's great. This is wonderful. I immediately took her to my house, to my studio and showed her books and said this, yeah. that, and the other. She came out and she immediately got a job uh, being a production design production assistant with Julie Weiss who is a very creative designer you know Julie Weiss uh, did Frida she's done work for Terry Gilliam uh, she's been around forever she's got a great body of work and she's a true artist she's a real artist great and she was with Julie for a while mm -hmm. paid her dues Julie then in turn recommended her to do uh, a gig at the Portland Shakespeare Company. Okay. Okay. So she's doing the regional theater thing. And that led to another gig at Arena Stage in, in uh, Washington. And then another one at St. Louis yep. Rep. And she calls me a couple of years later and said, am I doing the right thing? You know, I'm not, I'm not doing the PA work. I'm not doing, I'm, I'm doing regional theater. I said, hey, you're becoming a designer. Exactly. You are uh, you are building up relationships and you're building up networks. You never know. It's those designers, those yes. directors that do theater that later on become something mm -hmm. else. Mm -hmm. You know. Sure. And what was so refreshing about her yeah. is 
she took a different route and she said, I'm going to do this. I think that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, not, you know, a lot of people want to come out here and they immediately want to work with Colleen Atwood. Right. Yeah. And go, I don't know if you're ready to work with Colleen Atwood. Do you think that's uh, more, you kind of touched on this, but more common these days than yes. it was in your day. It seems like there's been a big uptick yeah. that people think they can just cut the line. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I think that that's true because they don't want to do what I did. They don't want to sort shoes and they yeah. don't want, I had a conversation with uh, someone who uh, was highly recommended. She's in San Francisco. She came out of Carnegie Mellon and uh, she worked on a film and she, called me and said oh you know i i, I want to get in the business but i don't want to pa i said i'm i don't know what to tell you yeah, uh you know i said but i i told her this i said why don't you put focus your eyes on on being a production assistant but if you're going to do it do it with somebody good sure do it on a big project do it on you know something uh something that's going to move you forward go with that in your head but um you know once people, once people get your rhythm, once people see your talent, you yeah. you can you know. Yes. And I've moved people up. Uh, I remember they called me from Disney to do this uh, sitcom that I I couldn't do, and I had a friend of mine, uh, not a friend, but but a person. Her name is Julie Yang. I was doing some project. I can't even remember what some something. And she popped into my office and she said, I want to, I'll work for you. I'll work for you for free. And, uh, that's how you know they want it. Well, well, she was working in accounting in the fashion industry. Yeah. And she said, that's not for me. I said, okay. So I hired her to do a commercial and, and it was interesting. I said, uh, okay, now we're, now should I put the clothes in the actor's room? Yes. Should I prep it? This, she knew what we do is, is common sense. It's not, brain surgery right you know and so but i would imagine there's a lot of intuition you have to have there is a lot of intuition that you do have to have and then what what it's true because if you don't have it you lose it you yeah. just you just right. fall through the wayside you could be the most talented designer in the world with the most amazing sketches and this but if you don't have the communication skills right. if you don't have that 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 sense of seduction that sense of confidence yes that i learned from julie weiss because julie weiss was uh, uh she is the craziest person on the planet but she is amazing yeah. because she took me under her wing sure. early on and uh uh she was fascinating she was amazing she was just um off the cuff sure. I, I i i was uh, working with her on a project uh I was uh, supervising her first film and she was designing her first film. It's like the blind leading the blind. That's I said, funny. I don't know what the, you know. <laughs> uh, and so I remember we were on the truck and the AD says, now the janitors are playing the next scene. Are you ready for them? And she goes, oh yeah, we're ready for them. And Julie just oh, no. turns around to me. She says, go grab a Teamster, get a hundred dollars, <laughs> go to Sears and get some janitors. Go, what size? <laughs> I don't know. Just get it. <laughs> and it, 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 it's like. Just learn it on the fly. Yeah. But that's some of the best training, I would imagine, in I a way. Think, yeah. Well, it, it is. Making mistakes, it, it is. And I and I tell young people, if you're going to make a mistake, don't be in the hot seat. Right. 
Yeah. Then you'll never work again. Right. That's but, fair. but you know, uh, I, I made, oh my God, I made some real zingers. I remember once I was at Western Costume Company. It's the first and last time I'll ever do military. Oh boy. They sent me, you know, uh, 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 I was doing a big movie called Hurricane okay. with Mira Farrow. Uh, Jason Robards, Max von Sydow, Trevor Howard. It was a period, 1930-something, and it was being shot in Bora Bora. And I was working at Western. And uh, I was in charge of all of the made-to-order. So I did all of Jason Robards. I did uh, Max von Sydow. Uh, the designer was in, a uh, very famous designer, Danilo Donati, who did a lot of Italian films like Zeffirelli's Romeo and Juliet. Okay. And he, you know, very, very grand. Yep. And he said to me, here are the drawings, here are the fabric, you know, and I took over, which was great. But in the meantime, I got a telex. That's how old I am. This is before faxes and before whatever. And the telex read, we need 32 19 uniforms, uh, winter dress Marines, Right. And we need 32 of them and ship to uh, Bora Bora immediately. So I researched winter dress, Marines, 19, whatever. And it was a uh, heavy wool, whatever. And I sent those out. There's no winter in Bora Bora. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's all tropical. Of course. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know. Uh, and so the head of Western said, that's their fault. <laughs> it's like they weren't specific. <laughs> right. And so I, that, that was one mistake I made. Sure. You know, and so I, I made a share of mistakes. I remember uh, uh, I was preparing a, uh, the extras for a movie called, what was it? Uh, Postman Always Rings Twice with okay. Jack Nicholson. Yep. And so I dressed all the extras and we, we did that. And I, I put all the extras on the truck and all that, but I didn't secure the truck. Oh, so no. when they got to the set, everything was on the floor. It's like, and yet I think, pe they, I mean, instead of getting yelled at, they said, ah, you know, it's like, I, but I'll never do it again. Exactly. And, yeah. and, and, and now and, it's funny. And, and now it's funny. And then you make, you know, uh, and I think that's part of the game. That's yeah. part of the game when you want to uh, uh, move forward. You know? Well, what I really like about all this, kind of just elaborating on your start and how you got here, you know, it really highlights in, in this business, whether it be costume design or really anything yeah. that's this hard to achieve, right? Talent is important. Yeah. Education is important. But I think drive is really what gets Drive you is very important. I didn't have as much drive as a lot of people. For for, for the fact that I, I, I was talented, uh, I took a lot of things for granted early on in my career. Sure. I could have started out much bigger and... Uh, uh, the person that uh, that that gave me my first big break in designing was Milena, mm -hmm. and uh, she called me, and uh, my name had been bounced around. Uh, they needed somebody to uh, supervise Miami Vice, and uh, uh, I was working on Fame, yep, uh, which was my yep. first uh, kind of big paying job. Or like, no, I wouldn't call it big paying. I would call it regular paying job. You know? Can I ask you? Because it's always fun. Like when you finally get that, like yes. I'm really earning a living here. Like, oh yeah, I'll tell you what yeah. happened was. So so I got um, fame. Yep. And I was making good money, and and uh, uh, I was on it for a year, and that's when I got the phone call from uh, Milena Cannonero, and uh, her actually her assistant Richard Schisler called me and said. Milena's looking for somebody and we feel that you would be good. And I said, I'm not really a supervisor. You know, uh, I'm really bad at numbers and this and that and blah, blah, blah. And, 
and uh, come and meet Milena anyway. So, so I, I went and met Milena, who is kind of the Anna Wintour of designers. Okay. You know, she'll look at you and she, you know, she will size you up in a minute. Sure. And yeah. uh, so wow. I, I met her at a, a store in Beverly Hills. Okay. And this is the truth. She took a look at me in less than one minute. She offered me the job. Wow. She didn't know anything. She said, oh, I like you. I think, yeah. What was that? I mean, was that just like validation, like I, right I, there? I, I, like, wow. I think, I think sometimes you see somebody and you gravitate towards them and you feel that, you, you just feel that there's a connection. And to this day, I just spoke to her like a few days ago. And she wants me to do something with her. And I go, okay, I'll, I'll do anything with her because she's great. So anyway, when I said to Melaine, I said, Melaine, listen, I'm not really a super, oh, you can do it. And I said, ah, you know, but you know, my really, my dream is to design. And she, and she said, she made me a promise. She said, if you do the one season as a supervisor, I will suggest you become the designer the fourth season. And that's what happened. Wow. And so my first design job because fame wasn't a design job it was a costuming job but fame was a design job right. and uh, uh uh yeah it was uh and that was uh that was a good paying job i i got a, i bought a car cash there you go all I right got, i got my rolex watch what kind of car a, was it it was <laughs> miami you gotta think it was a uh, uh firebird nice uh, okay uh trans am sure and I it's paid, fun. But it was like $11,000 back then. Right. You know, it was like, yeah, yeah, know. yeah. And then uh, I got a watch and then I got, uh, I, I had been so uh, financially restrained for totally. years. You know, when you're. Do you think back to like cleaning up those well, trucks and you're like, it's yeah, all worth it now. Well, it is. I think it is. And I think you wouldn't trade those in the world. You yep. wouldn't trade that in the world. Absolutely. Because, uh, um, you know, it was very interesting when I was at Western, there was a gentleman named Bill Alvarez who uh, was upstairs and he oversaw a lot of the ladies clothes mm -hmm. um, for the big designers. He was yep. he held their hands and, you know, he did a, he did like the Godfather and Cotton Club and all these huge, cool. gigantic movies. Yeah. And somebody said, oh, this is this is Eddie. He's a costume designer. And he said the best thing ever. And it was the best. Best not piece of advice, but be the best quote. He said, he's a costume designer. And Bill Alvarez said, not yet. No. And but... I, I said, no, he's right. Not yeah. yet. Because it sure. takes, you know, yes, I can design. And it's just like when I say to, when I go to schools and mm -hmm. uh, uh, I, 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 you know, they, oh, once upon a time, this, 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 this. I said, listen, you could design once upon a time. You could sketch it. You could have your ideas much better than maybe what I can do. Yeah. But I'll tell you one thing. Not one of you could make it happen. Not one mm. of you could make it happen because it takes years of networking, yeah. years of relationships. I took like $100,000 worth of fabric up to Vancouver Yeah. on memo. I took, you know, uh, the kids, they want to be an assistant right away. And I yeah. go, when you assist a Colleen Atwood, when you assist a Sandy Powell, when you assist a, 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 a Milena Kanye, yeah. you have to be on a certain level. You have to know a lot. Yep. So yep. it's not just, oh, I want to, you know, I said, yeah, there's years of stuff that like, yeah. you know, uh, took me years to figure out. Um, Absolutely. So no, yeah. Well, I would love to ask you some more about Once Upon a Time because sure. I know it's one of your biggest projects. Yeah. So, I mean, 
That must have been such an undertaking, right? I'll tell you what happened. I was ready to quit the business. Really? Yeah. Uh, Marilyn has a story. We, okay. We, 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 I was working with this horrible producer. Yeah. She knows her. Uh, horrible. It was a lifetime show. Okay. And everything about it was bad. Everything about it. Uh, there was very little money. There was very, and less than money. There was very little support. Mm -hmm. And I was very um, overwhelmed. And uh, I was not having a good time. And in fact, I wanted to quit the business. I wanted. Yeah. To, I, I I can't deal with this. I can't. The producer said to me, "I want you to photograph five five pieces of clothing, put them on the floor, and I'll choose what what, and don't show them anything else." And I go, "That's not how it works." Right. Because sometimes things that don't have a hanger appeal all of a sudden are magic, and you'll switch around something. Sure. So I was very, very, very depressed. And one day I get a call from a uh, production designer, Mark Worthington, who I did Ugly Betty with. And he said, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm, I'm here in New Orleans. And it's like, uh, I, I, you know, I said, listen, I have a show. And I keep telling the producers, there's only one guy that can do this. And it's you. Yeah. And uh, it's a fairy tale. It's in Vancouver. And it's late in the game. Sure. Very late in the game. This is four weeks before shooting. Oh, my gosh. And they ha they're having trouble getting a designer. Either the designers they hired, they didn't connect with the creators, or they were afraid of it, or they said it's impossible because there were 450 extras we had to do, plus I mean, all wow. of the made-to-order. <laughs> oh and, and so they said, can you do a phone meeting at 2 o'clock? I said, okay. So I... I agreed to the phone meeting. And of course, something like Mercury's in retrograde. The fax machine isn't working. The script isn't coming out. I'm right. pulling my hair out. Oh, boy. Uh, I have a PA in the car with me. I gave her, I'm at the parking lot of Burlington Coat Factory. And I said, go in there and get this stuff. I have to have a meeting now on the phone with these creators and these producers. And I think the director was a man named Mark Millard. Okay. And I think that what, worked for Mark Millard was that I won four, three or four Costume Designers Guild Awards over her wife, over his wife, wow. who was doing Entourage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he said, oh, he must be good. Right. <laughs> so, so, sure. So anyway, I, I talked to them on the phone and they said, what do you think? I said, well, I think this is a, a, a wonderful opportunity to do all this. I said, can you do it? I said, yeah, I think I can, I can make it happen. I said, this is what I'm going to need. I'm going to need X amount of people, uh, this, 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 this. And they hired me on the spot. And I didn't do a presentation or anything. And I got to Vancouver. And I wanted to cry. Um, I left the other show two days early. They weren't happy. But you know, off I go to Vancouver. Yeah. And um, there isn't a crew available. There isn't a single person. And this is huge. This is huge. This is. They didn't is, have anybody to support you? Not a single person. And oh, so I oh, talked. And there's 400 extras? Yes. Well, I'll tell you what happened. Uh, so one of the designers that they had interviewed, her name was Trish Monahan. She was really sweet. She said, I, I just can't. I, I don't see how anybody can do this. It's, a, it's an impossible task. Yeah. The next day she calls me. She said, come here. I have something I want to tell you. I said, yeah. what? Superman just folded. You know, the Henry Cavill won the first one. Right, yeah. He said, that crew's available. I said, really? Go romance, uh, Jana, Jana, uh, uh, the supervisor. And, you know, I, I, I called Jana 
and she doesn't do television and she, oh, well, you know, I don't do TV and this and that, said, but you know, can you help me out? I mean, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I'll, I'll make it, you know, I'll make, I'll make sure you'll have a good time on it. This sure. So she came on, she brought me the A-list nice. of uh, cutters and costume makers and armor makers and, uh, and assistants. And they all came out. And on top of that, when they, you know, they said, um, you need to do a budget. I said, shit, man, I don't know. You know, and John, I said, give it to me. Bum, bum, bum. And she brought up a budget and I looked at it and said, oh, they'll never go for it. That's very high for a pilot. It's, it was a, almost half a million dollars. And yeah. usually a pilot's around $100,000. Sure. Yeah. And they said no at first. And then she went back to the producers and she had a way about her. Sure. She said, okay, if you don't want this, cut here, cut here, cut here. But you want all this and you have three weeks. Right. How are you going to make it happen? So they, they, they gave it to me. Yeah, yeah. They gave it to me. And Once Upon a Time became the easiest show I ever, ever wow. did for one reason. I did my job. I had all mm-hmm. I had a I had a crew of about 35 people and yeah. they were top of the line. I'm having trouble with Prince Charming. I said, I don't know what I'm gonna do with Prince Charming. You know, what how am I how am I gonna make him special? And one of the assistants came up to me and she had worked the beauty about vancouver is they were they spent a lot of time doing big blockbusters right with huge budgets yep. and you know the craftsmanship was at a certain level she brought this sari okay it was very expensive sari and she said you know if you cut this up and you put this over the doublet and i go oh my god i never thought of that and it was a blessing i was yeah. i was open to what their suggestion okay that's done boom 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 done. Right. Bum, bum, bum. and 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 um it was the easiest show I ever did. Everybody said it was so big. I said, I don't know, but it just was a, a, a symbiotic. It just just worked. You know, very rarely does everything come into place. Right. But uh, all of the actors, he, he's, he's one. That was one there of the go. fittings that uh, uh, Eddie and Adam said, that's it. Don't do anything. It was the first thing we tried on. It was Indiana Jones. There you go. There you go. You know, yeah. uh, and, uh, and, uh, everything worked and, and, and it was uh, beautiful and um, um, for, for everybody who thought it was a, a very difficult show it wasn't it wasn't and and that had to be the trust from the network the trust from the studio the trust from uh, uh, the creators and what happened was when, once I got to uh, Vancouver they sent me back to LA to talk to the studio so I talked to the studio I do a little presentation sure. i I have an assistant and I bring in this huge bolt of white feathers. I said, what do you think about this for Cinderella's dress? And they, I mean, uh, Snow White's dress. And yeah. unfurled. And they said, oh, my God, that's so magnificent. And what about this for the evil queen? It was black feathers with red. And they said, oh, my God, that's great. What about black leather pants? Boom, boom, boom. It all, it all kind of came together. And so Steve Perlman, the, the line producer, said to me, okay, next week you got to do the network. I don't know. I can't tell the difference between the studio and the network, but you know, I did right, the yeah. studio one day and then go down to the network. We're going to send you down to LA and you have to do exactly the same thing because wow. never in the history of ABC that you went to a meeting and there was not a note. Oh my gosh. I said, what? <laughs> there but was... How did that feel when you heard that? Uh, you know what? Uh, this is what it was. This is what it was. And it comes back full circle to everything. For years, you know, we, 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 we were doing... T-shirt shows. I did yeah. Ugly Betty. That was modern. You right, know. Yeah. Uh, and then what happens is all of a sudden, 
I get this show. And my thesis in college was a, a project called Candide, which was period. It was like, you know, so all of that came easy to me. It was inside me. It was all right. inside me. All that, how to do this, how to do that. How are we going to uh, cheat this? And how are we going to cheat that? Mm -hmm. And uh, when I was uh, uh, doing the pilot, I said, I want these pieces that Bob Ringwood, who is a genius, Bob Ringwood is uh, a little background on Bob was he did a movie called Dune and Excalibur mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. genius, total yep. genius. Yep. And so, uh, I knew his pieces at Warner Brothers. I said, I want that. I want this. I want that. And it all just came together. Yeah. I, I think what it was, was it was a lifetime of experience. Definitely. Hitting the mark when it was supposed to hit. Right. And, you know, it's funny. I often say, shoot, if I had an interview for it, I probably wouldn't have gotten it. I don't know. <laughs> I'm really bad at interviews. You know, when... I think you're doing great here. No, no. But, you know, but, but, but in meetings, I understand. Not, you, yeah. you know, it's like, oh, God, you got to hit the of nail course, on the head and this and that. And and so uh, Once Upon a Time was was good. So as was Ugly Betty, which was another one that yeah. that that uh, uh, I found easier to do. Uh, do you prefer modern stuff or do you have modern stuff is harder interesting it's hard well, why is that you think oh i'll tell you it's like uh on, on once upon a time they never questioned an evil queen never questioned but they questioned uh, uh, uh a t-shirt of course jeans. God, do you that, right. these jeans can we try these other jeans i said yes okay yeah. and the leather jacket i remember the leather jacket for for uh we had a black leather jacket, and the day before shooting, Eddie Kitsa said to me, do you think we could do red? I said, what am I going to find a red jacket? <laughs> so I found a red jacket in the yeah. cheapest, sleaziest store in Vancouver, and we cut it apart, and we fit it, and, and uh, I think it was like $69, right? Yeah. And that became the jacket that Jennifer Morrison wore. Second season, it was a $4,000 jacket. The same thing, wow. but it was like refined. Oh, I and, see. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, we had it made by Ocean Drive. It was different and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, I think uh, people ask me this all the time. Do you prefer period? Do you prefer uh, uh, modern? Uh, and this is my answer. I prefer a great script. Okay. That I, makes sense. I, I think that if you have a script that you can get your sink your teeth into and, 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 uh, Work with actors that you can uh, relate to, and they can relate to you. That's that's the key. Yeah, you know th th that's the key. And uh, gaining the actors' confidences, I think, is the the the. I wouldn't say it's the hardest thing. I think it's the most important thing. And once they, once you're there, you uh, you uh, you have. Uh, half of your battle done. Sure. You know, Harvey Keitel is a very uh, interesting man. He's mm -hmm. known for being. I, I wouldn't. I, I don't call him difficult. Um, he's a character actor. Okay. And I did two yeah. projects with him, or three. I can't remember. Uh, one of the projects was he didn't have a line. He was. Uh, 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 it was the remake of La Femme Nikita. Okay. And Marlene Stewart was the designer, and I, I had the pleasure of being of dealing with. Harvey. And uh, he said, I don't know about this character. Because in this, in this movie, he comes in and he kills everybody. He doesn't yeah. have a single... He's called the cleaner. I see. And so his clothes had to be rather anonymous. Mm -hmm. they, they needed to go into a restaurant, into a theater, into, into the city, and no one's supposed to really like... But the key for him were his shoes. 
Okay. And he said, "Interesting, Eddie, I can't do it without the right shoes. You know? And I admire Harvey so much. He's a little bit like Robert De Niro, who insists on fittings. He wants them. He'll go. He'll he'll be there for three hours, and he's got to get it right. Yeah. So we get the shoes right. It was great. It was wonderful. And uh, but for an unseasoned costumer designer, it could possess a problem. Sure. It could. You need to know how to approach certain actors. Marissa Tomei is another one that uh, I was told was very difficult and I was told she was a handful. And my assistant uh, had these wonderful words of wisdom. And she said, that was their experience. Why don't you... Yeah, that's I, 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 I met her in New York and I showed her these drawings and uh, we fell in love with each other. I, I don't know what it was. I, I understood that she's a character actress. So you listen to her. You listen to her. She had 55 changes. She was playing a Cuban refugee. Got it. And so what we decided to do, me and her, was to discover the character along the way and not do her all, not do all of her changes right away. Interesting. And, and it worked for her. Right. It worked for her that way. And it worked beautifully. On the other hand, we had Angelica Houston, who is a different type of actress and kind of royalty in a way. And she's used to, uh, you know, uh, certain things. And she was fantastic. And one, and we did all of her changes all at once, but they were all very, you know, not every actor is the same. Of course. And yeah. uh, I remember one time we had an issue with uh, Jennifer Morrison, who was the lead in, um, once upon a time. And mm -hmm. she only wore modern clothes. So the first fitting, yeah. uh, my assistants are tre trembling in the back. They're like hearing the fitting room and she goes, no, 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 no. Uh, the rack of clothes. No, nothing, nothing in here works. I said, okay, fine. Why don't we take a breath and let's revisit this. I sure. took into, uh, you yeah, know, yeah. but I said, but do me a favor. Can you try on this one jacket just to make sure I get the sizing right and just, you know, she puts it on. She looks in the mirror and she goes, well, this one isn't too bad. <laughs> While I'm here, let me try the other one. Oh, man. Yeah. We got six you want jackets. her over. Yeah. Well, well, the thing is, you may not have if you had forced her. Totally. That's Absolutely. the thing. It kind of blocks it. So, and, 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 you know, it's, it, it's one of the, uh, she's another one that was uh, tough at first. Mm. And then she, 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 uh, Vanessa Williams, she, yeah. uh, she turned and uh, became a champion of mine. But the thing about it is, is uh, it takes quite a bit of experience Absolutely. to deal with not only, not only uh, actors, but writers sometimes and directors that, you know, you don't, you know, see eye to eye. Yeah. And uh, in, in your experience, when you work with directors is how often, I mean, I know they're all different, of course, yeah. but how often is it like they, they want to really be every little step of the way, giving their input and how often they're like, Hey, Eduardo, do your thing. We trust you. I think it depends. You know, I mean, when we worked with Steven Soderbergh, he was one of those people that, I mean, his production meetings were fantastic. Yeah. They were great. I'll tell you why, because okay. we, we would be in a production meeting and there'd be 20 minutes. He said, you guys all know what you're doing. 
Oh, that sounds like a dream. Yeah. Right? yeah. And that's a, but that'll never happen. Right. Yeah. And he's one type of a director. Then when I, when I worked with Robert Town uh, a little bit on the first go of The Two Jakes, the sequel to Chinatown, he wanted to know everything. But he was contributing to it because he was writing. Mm. And so you could get uh, insight into what he felt, insight into how he, the tone of something. Uh, the creators of Once Upon a Time were very, very adamant and uh, particular. But we had a, a great dialogue. They could call me up. They could call me up and say, can we change this? I'd say, yeah. You, you, know, you know, there's a way to work with uh, people. And then once in a while, you're going to get uh, a situation where, you know, nobody's happy. And uh, sometimes... Uh, that's a hard one. Warren Beatty was one of my favorites with, uh, when we did Bullworth. Um, I, he was very, very, uh, trusting. Mm -hmm. Milena designed it. I was the assistant and we had, he was in the film. Okay. So, uh, he has a hip hop outfit and I liked what he did. Um, We've been asking him, can we, when can we fit this outfit? When can we fit it? Oh, right. uh, you know, he was busy directing and, right, and that, right. you know. finally the day came when we we're going to fit him or, he, or when we we're going to shoot it. Right. And he said, put everything in. He just took it out of the closet, <laughs> he didn't what, even... which was a great way. We had the right selection of sure. a few things. He just said, this is it. I mean, this is the way I want to do it. Yeah, I go into a closet, I pick out the clothes, boom. There you go. And sometimes, <clears throat> uh, sometimes, that's what happens. Right. You know? So, yeah. and, I, and I think, uh, you know, directors, uh, film is a director's medium, although it's also now becoming more of a producer's medium. If mm -hmm. you're working with Marvel, that's a whole different, sure. that's a whole different totally. market and it's a whole different situation. Uh, if you're doing a small film, uh, I did two small films with uh, Mira Nair, okay. the, the great Indian director. And, yep. um, uh, you know, it depends, you know, we had very little money. We had very little time. But uh, she was also very interested. And I think that when you approach a project, there's so many elements involved. Sometimes you have a lot of time. Sometimes you have no time. I right. mean, once upon a time I did in three and a half weeks. Yeah, you know, wow. we did that in three and a half weeks. We, we prepped it. We prepped it yeah, for yeah. longer. But, but uh, you know, um, there are I, – I, I was – Helping out a, a friend of mine, Mayas Rubel, a wonderful designer who was nominated for an Oscar last year. Uh, she did Jojo Rabbit. But she's done a lot of Marvel films. She did Thor. And she's doing this this uh, new film called WandaVision. Um, and she asked me if I could come help her on a, there's a particular costume. I was on it for four months. One costume. It was going to drive me wow. crazy. But that's because it's the Marvel machine and, and there were, uh, you know, specific concepts and totally. approvals and this yeah, and that. Yeah. And it's a whole different way of working and the budgets are completely different. And it's completely different than doing a, a, a movie out of the back of your car, yeah. which I've done, you know. Right, We've right. done those sure. out of the back of my car. And uh, so, you know, I, I feel blessed that I have done all of those. Mm -hmm. Out of the car, I've done, you know, I've done these big blockbusters where you have millions of dollars, you know. Um, stuff. So we are coming towards, we have to wrap it up yeah. soon. Before we do, I do want to make sure we mention our sponsor, Eddie Marks of yes. Rag Vans. So Wonderful thank you, Eddie, Eddie Marks, yes. For helping make this show happen. Absolutely. Um, I did also want to ask you, because I know that you've talked about 
um, and starring Pancho Villa was one of the most satisfying projects of your career. Yes. I would love to hear more about that. That was the most satisfying. Uh, um, uh, Bruce Beresford uh, is probably, and uh, Marilyn loves Bruce. She worked with him as well. And she did Bonnie and Clyde with him. Uh, a gentleman, a fantastic man. Uh, HBO was wonderful. Um, I had an unheard of 12 weeks to prepare. I had um, uh, all the elements were there and it was wonderful. And part of the thing, like when I, I think part of what nailed the interview was I had met Bruce before in Vienna and we had spoken before. Uh, I, I really wanted it because I was, uh, I was Mexican. This was part of my heritage. I wanted to be part of this. Sure. And um, I think, what cinched it for the producers was something very interesting. They said, okay, you've come up, we've had all these meetings. Now the thing is how much do you think we're, if this is going to cost? Mm. So in my experience, I said, okay, this is an HBO project. Uh, if this was a full on movie, I'd say it's a million dollars, but it's HBO. I'm going to say 350, 375. And they said, that's the number we were thinking. And so, Oh, what what happens is you you sort of know where you're going on these things, you yeah. know. You sort of know, and that that kind of cinched it in terms of of what we did. And I remember Antonio. I had 20 minutes with Antonio. That's it. 20 minutes. Yeah. Wow. And then he called me in the trailer, middle of the movie. He goes, Eduardo, this is the best costume I ever have. It's so, <laughs> you know. Uh, and uh, there were no doubles. Really. Uh, that jacket is a jacket that I found at Universal. And we made uh, uh, we made his pants. We made his shirts. Uh, those aren't even boots he's wearing. He's wearing half chaps, riding chaps with Payless shoes. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, it was one of those uh, situations, I think, that I got the greatest support from the producers and the director that I hadn't had in a long time. It was it was yeah. a, a, a beautiful project. It's wonderful. And uh, I, I was happy to be part of it. Um, just to wrap it up, I want to ask you one last question. Yes. So for anyone listening who's interested in getting into design, yeah. right, people coming up now, what sort of – I mean, we kind of touched on this in the beginning, well, but advice I, for them. I, I, I think that, like I said, have a hero or two. If you if you like The Handmaiden's Tale or if you like uh, Hollywood or if you like anything that's been done, write to, write to the designer. Write to the designer directly. You know, this is homework. You can find out their agents. You know, yep. call the Costume Designers Guild, get their agent's number, write them a letter. In the letter, please state how much their work means to you. Mm, you yeah. know, designers have egos. <laughs> and they just, <laughs> sure. you know, it's like, oh, you know, they really like my work. Yeah, they do. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, 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 and I think, um, I think that the best advice is go for it and, and, uh, you know, come out. Uh, I have several students coming out and it's unfortunately this pandemic is, is, is hard and yeah. it's tough, but, uh, these new kids coming out, I have uh two or three that I think, okay, when you come out, you know, what it is, is one person will lead you to another person. Maybe I don't have anything right now, but talk to my friend Daniel Orlandi, talk to my friend so-and-so, uh, so-and-so, and, 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 and maybe uh, there'll be a connection. And uh, But you really, I'll tell you what, you will get there if you want it. You have to really want it. If you want it, it'll happen. If you don't want it hard enough, it, it may not happen for you. But you really, really got to 
really and 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 it's true every designer that i've uh, that that that's been interviewed and they ask that question they all say the same thing you yeah. really really have to have that desire to want to do this you know? absolutely yeah well eduardo thank you so much for You're coming welcome. on designing hollywood it You're has been welcome. such a pleasure to have you here and listeners thank you again for listening uh we really appreciate it be sure to like subscribe all that usual stuff and we will see you next episode thank you to our sponsor good? eddie marks with ragvan.com Ragvan is Hollywood's favorite place to rent fully equipped, high-quality trailers used by the entertainment industry to transport costumes and garments to and around filming sets in Hollywood. Also, thank you to our viewers. Be sure to follow Designing Hollywood Podcast on social media and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Deezer, and our YouTube channel for complete past and current episodes.